Hello and welcome to the Grounded Families podcast with me, Julia Goodall, psychologist and coach. This is a podcast for all families navigating life, love and relationships. We delve into our stories and experiences of family and how these go on to shape and change who we are. I'm so happy to have you here. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. This week on the podcast, I speak with Kevin Maguire. He's the founder of the New Fatherhood Community, which is a community that explores issues facing modern fathers. We talk all about Kevin's experience of being a dad, as well as his experience of postnatal depression following the birth of his second child. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. Today, my guest is the wonderful Kevin Maguire. He is the community leader. How would you describe yourself, Kevin? Tongue in cheek, I say editor in chief, (laughs) but it's just like (laughs) creator founder anything of the new fatherhood and so yeah this is a community for for dads and new dads and dads who have been fathers for a while but forward-thinking fathers who are changing the way in which we think about fatherhood and we think about um, being men so welcome Kevin thanks so much for talking to me thanks for having me on I've loved so much reading a bit about your because I subscribed to your newsletter even though it's for fathers <laughs> and curious moments and curious <laughs> that's mums. what i say okay. for dads and curious moms okay so i definitely fit into the curious mum, just the nosy mums. Mm-hmm. i was so excited to hear about you i don't know of any other kind of communities for dads not not a single one and maybe that's on me maybe they must be but it's such a rare thing there definitely are you know and as i've started to to kick this whole thing off myself, Mm. I've found other pockets of like conversations happening. I think, you know, the reason I started this, I'd been thinking maybe for the last year or two years, I was going to write a book. Okay. I love to learn. Mm. And I learn primarily through like, I learn through reading and I learn through doing. Okay. And when I, you know, when my, before my, before my daughter was born, I was like, I want to just like, I want to read everything. I want to basically like, I want to know as much as Mm. I can know going into this. And I really struggled with like good dad books. Mm. There was one that was, there was one, like, the, the Expectant Father, that was, it was, oh, it was, it was okay. It was like, it was better than most of the things out there. Okay. But there was lots of them that were just, it either felt like they were written in the 1950s mm. and had no real understanding of like what men were going through nowadays. Yes. As, as they kind of like started to kind of like wrestle with fatherhood. Mm. Oh, they felt like they were written in the 90s, which is even worse. It was, there was one book and I think it was called something like Lad to Dad. Uh, and, I, and, yeah. I, and, and I think someone bought, either someone bought it for me or someone said, oh, you should, you should read this. And I, and I opened it on one page and the, it was, honestly, this was, this is almost verbatim. And it said something like, Whoa, boobs. Ooh, boobs are great, oh, and, right. your, and your missus's boobs are great too. But right now, maybe don't like grab them. Because she might, they might hurt. I was just like, "Oh, you, are you, are you for real?" So like, insulting this... to dads as well. Just yeah. like, come on, yeah. And I, and and I, and you know, I think I was one of the first men in my peer group to have a kid. Oh, interesting. Because my okay. my wife is a few years older than me. She's not you know, not many, but yeah. um, but also because she's Indian now. That we when we got together, I looked a little bit younger than her. And now, 10 years later, she looks younger than me. And I know that, like, you know, when I'm older now, everyone's going to be looking, going like, why did 
why gosh why did this this like beautiful woman marry that old man (laughs) (laughs) and i've already again i've resigned myself to to but you know i just couldn't find so i so i'd have i would have lots of friends who were about to be hey i'm I'm gonna have a kid and da 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 what should I what should I read mm. what do I need to know like da 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 and I, I was just like I, I don't have anything that I could recommend mm. this you know this was 2015 2016 maybe mm. maybe things have maybe things have got better so after after I had my second I thought I re- I want to I want to do something about this I want to change it I want to I want to write you know this is what they always say like write the book you want to read yes I'm like I'm gonna write it so I started researching I started thinking of, I started putting it all together not so much putting it together but I just started to write mm. just from a pure place of kind of like curiosity okay. and and enjoyment and mm. you know, like we said before about this is if you love doing something you just you, you just, just want to just want to do it and then I, I I realized quite quickly that I didn't have the the patience Mm -hmm. or the kind of like courage of my convictions to work on something for a year and then hope that people might like it okay and at the same time like uh, you know I'm so plugged into this kind of like tech world and media and everything like this because it's been my job for the past 15 years there's been this huge um, renaissance around newsletters yes. you know, powered by all these different platforms and all these writers who were previously you know working for the New York Times mm. and Wall Street Journal all these and the Guardian all these publications who've gone out on their own because it's now easier than ever to make it a like profitable revenue stream mm. so and I just thought wow this is like a maybe this is like the right time to do this everybody's talking about this newsletter mm. you know not this newsletter everybody's talking about newsletters like email email communications is email kind of like connections and is so much more important now and as a writer content creator whatever you would call it you don't have to battle some opaque algorithm yes that you might get seen and you might not get seen you actually just have this direct one-to-one connection with with Mm. people so i thought I'll, i'll give it a go i'll see how it goes and i started it in january of this year i started it the first week of the year i already had you know like i couldn't you know 500 words about this and mm. six, you know, some here and some here and some there. And I just went, I'm just going to give it a go and I'll see where it goes. And I sent out an email to a few friends and I said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. And I posted onto, you know, I posted Instagram mm. and I posted to Twitter and I posted to, I posted to LinkedIn actually, okay. something that I don't do a lot because I find the content there quite cringe a lot of the time. And it's very like, um, you know, it's like self-promotional. And yeah. like, oh. But I posted just to think about, hey, I'm, I've, I've decided to start this new thing about, about fatherhood. It's called the new fatherhood. And the idea being that fatherhood has changed so much for this current generation. Mm. And, and it's probably changed more in the last 30 years than in the 300 years preceding it. Yes, I agree. You know, men are expected to be more than just breadwinners Mm. they're expected to be like equal partners Mm. in in parenting and rightly so Mm. but we don't have the we don't have the tools we don't have the ability to kind of discuss these things like men are terrible about talking about their feelings Mm. like we really we really really suck about it because we learn this is massive broad brushstrokes for sure Sure, but but we learn we learn growing up that feelings aren't good Mm. 
when a man talks about if he's feeling sad about if he's feeling it's like don't be a pussy yeah man up yeah grow a pair like the language around it mm. is so testosterone fueled and diminishing um and diminishing. Yeah. i think yeah. all of and that this is, is why coded feminine Sorry, as well so it's mm. like a feminine thing to do or to express or to even have exactly and actually exactly yeah, when we know it's totally incorrect and it makes me think about you know i remember a few years you know maybe 10 years ago and they were talking about what was the term metrosexual yes you know men who were, yeah. were in touch with their feelings and who used moisturizer <laughs> and things like that and it was like a and there was a, a like and this was at the same time as like loaded mag and things like that and they're like whoa, whoa mm. yeah. and i think there's you know i i just saw this i just saw this opportunity to create a safe space mm. where men could come and talk about how they feel about being a father mm. and start to unpack all these layers of of stress of uh, like excitement of worry of of fear of past relationships mm. of their own connections with their parents of like all these things that I had never seen unpacked mm. like I had never read you know people talking about fatherhood yeah, in this no way for in it. this kind of like yeah. in this kind of like open vulnerable and kind of honest way yeah. I just thought I'm gonna I'm just gonna give this a go and I'm gonna see where it goes mm. and you know I've just been bowled over by the response okay. you know this thing has grown in in three months to around i think like 1300 people subscribe to the newsletter already gosh that's amazing it's, it's i didn't even know it was so new yeah yeah also signed up to it but you write in a way that feels established thank you um and yeah it's a, just a lovely kind of space to be but it feels like also it's not only your voice it's a it's a community of voices and you're drawing on other people's words and experiences mm -hmm. and um, I'm so glad the reaction's been good. That's so important to me because it's not, I say this kind of in the newsletter and I say it's like the new fatherhood is not, it's not me and it's not mine. Sure. Like it's a, mm. it's a loosely formed community. There are thousands mm. and thousands of us of course, that we don't yeah. know each other, you know, we don't know each other mm. yet, but I feel like there's a, there's a space here where like men can come and they can connect and they can talk about like how they feel about being a father, like warts and all. And part of this is around, yeah. you know, the, the changing, the changing nature of fatherhood, but the changing face of fatherhood mm. as well. So, you know, you talk about elevating voices. I think it's really important that like I, as a, you know, uh, cisgendered heterosexual man, I'm mm. not the only voice as I'm white as well. I'm not yes, the only voice that's heard. Exactly. So I kind of want to make sure that, you know, I, I featured a, an essay from uh, a guy called Steve, who strangely mm. enough used to be our landlord when we had a house in San Francisco and he and oh, his wow. husband had gone through yeah. the uh, surrogacy process to have their first mm -hmm. child. I actually said, you know, just write me a little bit, a hundred words or something. I can just put it in. And and he yes. came back with like 700, 800 words. Said, oh I started gosh. and I couldn't stop. I just, you know, really just like, <laughs> it was just opening. And if, this thing of like, it is opening the floodgates so many times. It's just you. That's wonderful though. I think when you start to talk about these things, mm. when you start to just, again, like as men, and again, a massive overlight generalization, but I would found from talking to more and more people is like, we don't, we don't do the work of like mm. going in there and, and interrogating um, why we feel how we feel. Okay. And in the thing that I've seen, you know, I, again, it's only been three months, but the thing that I've seen over and over again, what you read it, I'm very, 
open and and I like to think like quite honest and, and vulnerable about my own experiences. Mm. And if you can be like that, people will meet you there. Yes, you know, there's this, exactly. there's this, that it feels safe. Yeah, there's, it feels safe. But there's also this thing that I, I, I read about recently and it's called the, the vulnerability loop. And okay. if you are open and more vulnerable with one person, they mm. will interpret that and they will kind of like take that in and be okay. more vulnerable with you. Okay. And this kind of this loop that happens where you, you're creating deeper, more meaningful connections and relationships with people mm. by that by makes... being by being honest you know i read um like you know brene brown right brene brown she's yes. like the queen of empathy and vulnerability and she's like i <laughs> yeah. love her like i think her whole approach is amazing but yeah when i read daring greatly and it just i wouldn't say it flicked a switch so much as it just kind of like added to this mm. i'd started to surround myself with this this type of these types of books these types of kind of like discussions and these types of things and I just realized that I was this was a much more a much more meaningful place for me to be in and I've just kind of like tried to take that and and I think Mm -hmm. through a lot of 2020 which is a you know a rough year for for all kinds of reasons I'd started to have these conversations with other fathers in my life other men other friends who happened to be dads and I'd kind of just been honest with them I'm like hey how are you and how are things going mm. and and say like actually how are you not oh yes. yeah I'm okay Hi, yeah hey you? hey how are mm. you oh I'm okay like da, da, da. it's like actually mm. how are you and wanting to know the response and mm. I realized that this like and so many people would say to me like hey this really this has really helped we had an hour and a half mm. and they said this has really helped and I and I realized it was really helping me too the thought going into the new mm. fatherhood was what if I could, again, it's like a techie phrase, but the idea of scale, you know, you always mm. in kind of the tech world, they always talk about scale. It's like, how do we get this to a million people? Yes. Could I do this at scale? Could I like have these deep, meaningful connections with other men around fatherhood, not just yeah. on a one-to-one basis, but on a one-to-many basis? Yes. And again, it's like, it's early in the experiment, but it seems like the answer might be yes. Oh my goodness. Just probably such a relief to people. I think it's also so much of a reclaiming of experience as opposed to, it's not new. These things of, (laughs) you have feelings and experiences and ambivalence and all sorts of things. And just that that's been shunted to the side and it's not allowed for. So I think you'll probably encounter all sorts of healing as well in that, is that, reclaiming of of your humanity in some ways mm-hmm. i think that sometimes we the way that we treat men is also it's not okay yeah, yeah. i think am i the first dad that you've had you on? are you are so it's quite interesting because i because yeah. i think that you know one of the things i i truly believe is that whether we call it the new fatherhood or modern masculinity mm. or whatever it might be is it really echoes a lot of the struggles that mums have been going through for the last 50 years or yes. more, you know? How do I balance being a great parent with trying to like mm. still be successful at work? How do I know that I'm spending like the right amount of time on the things that are important? Like how, like how do I prioritize? And it's funny, you know, if there are like pockets of good writing about fatherhood. Um, okay. whilst, whilst there aren't in my belief, great fatherhood books per se, mm. you know, there are great, male writers who have written about fatherhood in a really interesting okay. way like michael lewis is one michael chabon is another i mean maybe it's just guys called michael <laughs> but what i've actually found myself doing recently is going back to the like quote-unquote mommy bloggers of mm. the early 2000s and reading a lot of what they wrote 
because mm-hmm. it's so interesting to see what do they say they say history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes like to see these mm-hmm. kind of like same things coming up and coming up same things yeah, yeah. but I think and there's so much nuance to that because I feel like men are straddling this weird in between life where they're we're still very stuck in the idea that men provide and are there to, you know, provide security uh-huh. in some way, emotionally, um, financially, all sorts of ways. And so there's enormous pressure, spoken or unspoken, around that uh-huh. still, even though we've kind of moved beyond that in some ways. And then there's also, like you say, a huge expectation of men around equal parenting, yeah. which is is important and essential that that happens. But I think what can happen is that sometimes you can get lost in between that of where we're not allowing conversations of vulnerability. We're not allowing all sorts of show of emotions and experience of emotion. Um, and and that sometimes we kind of co-create this difficult dynamic where we're positioning you in a particular way, in a very sort of male gendered way, um, but expecting you to fulfill all sorts of things as a new man. Yes. And I, that tension, I think, is really, uh-huh. really hard. I see that lots in my couple therapies with with couples around um and there's a a kind of viciousness around it sometimes that yeah it really is it's like you know you must continue to do the what i would call like the old fatherhood you must continue to do the things that were essential in the old fatherhood you must you know continue to provide and not not solely provide but to like to co-provide and you must continue to be like a good role model and you must continue to be like you know Mm. but you also at the same time must be like very in touch with your feeling you know you must Mm. be a stronger level of empathy Mm. like you're right there's a tension between those two things of doing the things that have always been expected of you and doing the new things that are expected and when I say expected I don't mean like it's your wife who's like you have to be like this but I mean expected by society and expected by your peers and expected by Mm. culturally and there's really not enough people that are talking Mm. about this and having this conversation I think that maybe goes to why this seems to have resonated so well for so many Mm. people already you know I'm getting emails from from people every day it's just like hey thank you so much for creating this space like have you thought about Mm -hmm. this yet have you are you thinking about talking about this are you going to explore this Mm -hmm. in the newsletter in the first kind of like mail I sent to them I say like hey why did you sign up what do you want what do you want from this community like what do you want from this thing Mm -hmm. and they do I just want to know and people reply and they say hey like I'm so I'm so happy I found this like I'm so like mm-hmm. I read some of your things and it was so powerful. And I, you know, as you'll have read, I wrote about my own battle with paternal postnatal depression after my son was born. Yeah. I've written, my gosh, a mm. lot about it in, in the, on the site. And after my son was born, it was, I struggled. Like I really, I found it very difficult. I didn't understand why I would mm. kind of like go and take the dog for a walk and sit in the park and cry mm. and not fully understand like just and just think I, you know and for the longest time I just chalked it up to being tired I'm like I'm just tired mm. I'm gonna once I get a good night's sleep I'm gonna be okay and I got a great night's sleep a couple of days in a row my wife was so supportive she went yeah hey you know go and sleep in the other room and see how you get on mm. and 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 I had a great night's sleep a few days and I still felt terrible kind of just mm. felt like I was in this I was in this fog and I couldn't get out. I kind of, I took my, sat at the computer one day and I I just started searching for things. And I was like, hey, you know, like new dad, feeling sad, like crying, da, da, da. And I, I came across a few articles that talked about paternal postnatal depression. Yeah. A thing that I had no idea existed. 
like truly no idea existed just never ever heard of it i never heard of it i remember i remember being sat on the on the park bench outside my house here and reading something and breaking Mm. down in tears because like a relief yeah like relief that Mm. i I, it wasn't Mm. it wasn't my son it wasn't me. But this is not your fault. This is this not is my a... fault. It's not my fault. It's yeah, not his this fault. This is an illness. And in a way, yeah. it's you know. And I read this thing recently in about. It said it said about like mental illness is is so tragic because it it infects everyone around you. It has this like blast radius. It presents itself very differently for men than women. You know, men yes. get they get yeah. angry. They get they get distant. They. I remember reading it said you know, lots of men who are going through this will form some kind of some kind of like addiction will form a part of it whether it would be mm. like drugs or gambling or sex and like thankfully i i got addicted to playing a video game okay. <laughs> i just i <laughs> I, I, I retreated yeah. into this kind of like world where mm. i could have control mm. because i didn't feel like i had control in my life you know, I, I could I could press a button and make a guy on a screen do something. Whatever I did, I felt like I did, couldn't stop myself from crying. I retreated yeah. into this into this world and I researched more, I read more and I read, I just came across like a few, and this is 2019. So this isn't all that long ago. I came across maybe yeah. two or three good pieces okay. of writing. There was a guy that runs a website called Issa's Blog, who mm-hmm. honestly, like it was, he was so helpful in how he was honest about how he felt and said this is how this is what has helped me here's a little toolkit that i've used i read i came across this great article written by a a female journalist called aubrey hirsch and she wrote about mm-hmm. her husband going through paternal postnatal depression a difficult article to read but a very mm-hmm. you know one that really helped and i i just you know, in a way, I knew when I started up the new fatherhood that my I wasn't going to be center of the entire narrative around new fatherhood. But my experience with paternal postnatal depression was obviously going to form a big part of the the core of the site because it brought me to the place that made me start mm-hmm. this thing up. It was an insanely difficult time for, for me, for my, for my family, for my wife, for all of us. But I've come out of it of a better person in so many ways. That's been a generative move for you as well. That like creating this community, mm. I think, is also there's healing in that too. Yes. Were Were you treated or um, I? I think you went. You said you went to therapy. I went to. Th- I, I I when I told my wife, she said you have to do the work to get better, and I said I I I want to. I, I, I really, mm. I, like, now that I know that this is a thing and I know mm. I, I want to learn. I love, like, I think self-help as a genre has such a bad rep. You know, people are like, yeah. oh, self-help. <laughs> self-help to me can be, it's so wide. It can be a book about neuroscience. It can be a book about mm. meditation. It can be a book about positivity. It can be, you know, it's it's not about, like, do these, you know, start a gratitude sure, journal. It can be expensive. Yes. <laughs> I read and I st- I just prioritized my mental health and I, mm-hmm. I started therapy. I started working with a wonderful therapist here in Barcelona who I still see not, yeah, I, I was seeing good. her every week at the time. I still, I see her maybe mm-hmm. like once every few months now. Mm-hmm. Yoga, 
meditation. Yeah. My therapist said to me, she said, um, you know, there's a reason why when you get on a plane, they tell you to put your oxygen mask on before your child, if anything goes wrong. Yes. Because mm. you need to be okay. I had said to her, I said, I was struggling with this. My wife and, and other people tell me, you know, like, you need to go take some time for yourself and go and do this and go and do that. And I was telling my mm. therapist, I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling with the fact that the time that I'm taking for myself is taking time away from my son. And she okay. said exactly this. She's like, you know, you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to look, prioritize your mm. own mental health so you, you can help others. And, 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 you know, my wife was incredible through this whole thing. And, you know, one of the things that she did, which was tough for me at the time was she's like, you need to spend more time with him. Just the two of you. Mm. And like, I'm so glad, like, I'm so glad that that we did that and that she kind of pushed me into this place that was uncomfortable for me. I had the guardrails. I, you know, it's like, if, if you don't feel right, you know, just it's fine and da da da, but go take him. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I remembered like there was a, there was a day that there was a day that was almost like a, a complete sea change in how I, how I felt. I, and I, I woke up one day and it was like my day where we kind of like said like every Wednesday, like let's okay. try this That's for a while. Let's see how yep. it goes. And I woke up one day and I went, and again through a combination of the situation I was in through the things that I'd read through the kind of like meditation and mindfulness kind of work that I've been doing mm. I woke up one day and I went today I'm going to resolve not to see this as four hours to finish but as mm. four hours to enjoy like I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna try and enjoy all of this you know, that's a real shift so you're not just surviving this time with your son but actually connecting with him and honestly, it was just, it was, it was just unlocked. And now I have like the, the best relationship with him. I love him to bits yeah. and, and it's hard for me because I, I, it took a long time for me to get to a place where I could say that, but I, gosh, mm. I, I adore this boy. Like he's, and now mm. he's almost two and he's hilarious. You know, you know what it's and like. Of course. And it's not about them that those transitions I think are so yeah. hard, particularly for second children. I think that there's lots of um, conversation that happens around having a first child, but mm. having a second child adds yeah. a completely different layer to things. Yeah. Um, it's a, a different type of exhausting, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is. It's somehow um, like one plus one equals five oh like goodness. how, it, how yes. is that like why is that even i found I think, that leap really hard to two children I kind of you expect the first leap but the second leap i just thought oh this is too much a friend told me that exactly the same he said before we had the second one he said listen two is when shit gets real <laughs> he's like because with one you're a team your life changes mm -hmm. but it can stay the same half the time yeah. roughly speaking more or less mm -hmm. but with two you just you it's, already feel like you're outnumbered <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. I, yeah, I found that really, really hard. And sort of attending to one child in a very um, conscious way with the first. Uh -huh. And the second, you feel split and sort of torn between spending the same amount of time. And uh -huh. also there's this whole discussion about, oh, it's the second, it's easy. And I felt like just putting my hand up. Oh, no. no way. <laughs> I disagree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this has not been in my experience. Hard pass. My um, husband actually struggled after our first um, child was born. We um, had him in Cape Town. We were still living there. And I think similar to what you say is that we were the first in our kind of circle of people to have kids. And I think that also having no community and no sort of model of how difficult it is 
to be a parent is yeah. is really damaging. I think, yeah, I'm just so grateful that there is this newsletter in the world. It just feels like such a hopeful stance and a hopeful move. And yeah, is there anything you can recommend to people, things that really helped when you were feeling depressed? Yeah, for sure. This website, Issa's blog, I think it's like isasblog.co.uk. He created this thing called a mental health toolkit that it's like, here's nine things you can do. And it was just, and it's so, like looking, looking at it now, it's so obvious. It's like exercise, eat well, meditate, do baby wearing, be outside. Like when I was in that, when I was there in this place, I couldn't Mm. make, I couldn't see what the answer was going to be. When I started the new fatherhood, it was really... You know, I knew that this guy, his vulnerability and his openness in talking about his battle mm. was so helpful to me. Yeah, It was like a light in the dark, trying to like battle out and it was just something that I could see. So I just thought like, oh my gosh, if, if, if I can write something that can help other people. And now I get, I get these emails from people and I get these emails from people just going like, wow, this is my experience. I'm in this right now. And I had no mm. idea like thank you or I get you know an email from a friend and she says this is my this is what happened with my husband my ex-husband and we and we didn't and we went to the doctors and we said he's not well and we think it's Mm. this and they just said we're only concerned about like the mental health of the mum of the mother I know so damaging the Edinburgh scale it doesn't Mm. catch paternal postnatal depression the things that it looks for are only connected to the symptoms that um yeah and which it presents in women women. i think also the stats i mean i i don't know if i'll remember them between like three and five percent of the population will have postnatal yeah so let me let me let me tell you about that stat so when i when i read that stat it said yeah three to five percent of the of of new dads will suffer from paternal postnatal depression so i need to reach out to 20 other dads to see mm-hmm. if I can find someone to talk to about this. Okay. That's, that's not going to be easy. And one friend, he called me and he said, how are you doing? And I went, you know, I'm not okay. This, you know, this was a couple of days after I, I, after I'd spoke to my wife and I said, I'm not okay. And you know, postnatal depression, it's for dads now, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we, we can get it now too. And I've talked to him. I said, I've been feeling angry all the time. I've been losing my temper and I never lose my temper. I'm like, yeah. I have two friends who I think you should talk to who had confided in him that they had felt like this after the birth of their of their first or second child. And one of them was like, I don't really, I'm, I don't want to go back there and I don't want to talk about it. And another one of them was a, as a guy based in Canada who we got on the phone. We talked for two hours. Gosh. I told him my story. He told me his story. We just like cried for a little bit. Mm-hmm. He, his daughter was maybe almost the age that my son is at now. And he was only starting to do the work to kind oh of like, gosh. so he'd been in there for and a, a long time. And even acknowledging it. Okay. And we still talk and we still, we still chat and we check in on each, on each other all the time. And I said, like, I'm so glad that we, we've kind of like found each other. And he said, like, you wouldn't believe like, it's mm. been so helpful for me. And then, you know, and I go talk to another friend and I say, I've been feeling like this. And he said, yeah, I've been battling with this for a year. Oh and I and I think this 5% number is just incorrect, is just incorrect yeah. because there's a few things at play. One is men are taking a more active role mm. in parenting, like the level of exposure to the, and of course, like there are some differences in 
postnatal depression and paternal postnatal depression, of course, and a lot of it is hormone related when it presents in women, but a lot of it is not. And so men are in the situation more and more where they're being exposed to children that they can't stop crying and lack of sleep and kind of all these things that are, that are triggers for it. And then on top of that, just like push it down and make it even worse is the fact that we don't talk to each other about it. You know, there's a reason male suicide is so high. It's because we, we are terrible at talking about how we feel and 10%, 20% more. I don't like, I have no idea, yeah. but if you're actually talking about it and measuring more, it, yeah, yeah, it's I'd way imagine. more than 5% in my experience. <clears throat> I've been very intentional now to reach out to other new dads in my life to say hey sometimes it's just like i'm like hey you okay because i wasn't okay and if Mm -hmm. you're not okay i'm here to chat and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's more you know i'll go into you know i'll I'll pick up the phone and i'll sit and i'll i'll tell them the story i'll tell them kind of like more of the story the way that I've, i've told it to you and i tell to others and thankfully like a lot of the time people say no it's great this is amazing it's brilliant mm. and then and then every now and then i will someone will say yep yeah this that's is that, this is what i'm feeling right mm. now and i didn't know i didn't know why i was feeling it but mm. now i do mm. and such a relief yeah I mean, what will you do differently with your son in terms of how you're raising him so that he is not, and and not to put that on you, but I think something about the way that we are talking about emotion and the way that we allow Uh emotion um, with with girls and with boys um, or identifying girls and boys Mm. that I wonder how that plays out and how you'll do things differently. We've we've decided we're very, um, you know, to try and be as non-gendered. Yeah in our approach with everything from my my wife has driven a lot of this and she's done it in such a good way it's like in everything from the toys that they play with to Mm -hmm. the clothes that they wear to the books that they read to the you know I think representation and inclusion and diversity and teaching these things Mm -hmm. to our children from an early age and you know the books that we have in the house and the and the conversations we have and I think you know we won't treat these children any differently because they happen to have different genitals you know it's like exactly yeah i think it's i think it's more and more important and especially you know in the the current climate and you know what we've seen in the uk of you know over the past few months it's not enough anymore to teach our daughters to look after themselves we need to teach our sons like how to respect women how to deal with rejection how to like be in touch with their emotions. And I think it's uh, easier for us now than it's ever been. Because Mm -hmm. I think the conversations happening out there, the things that we can read, the things that our kids can watch. There's a fantastic show called Steven Universe. And it's about, it's about a, I'm gonna say it's about a boy. It's a kid's cartoon that explores gender fluidity. It explores like same-sex relationships, explores like mixed race marriage, like all these different things in a way that is so, it celebrates them. Mm. Like, it's just like, hey, this character is, is actually two women that fell in love and got married. Yeah. And you never know this about the character until almost like the, it's like, oh, this whole thing. Even, so you know, wonderful. even, even She-Ra, She-Ra came back on Netflix, you know, two <laughs> years ago. So if I watch it with my daughter, it was yeah. a, it was like a lesbian love story. <laughs> it was amazing. Ama- it was amazing. That's and it incredible. was just, yeah. So we, we, if you, um, I'm going to write about this in the newsletter next week or the week after, I think that okay. you can look at TV as a thing to turn on, to give yourself half an hour's peace. Mm. or you can look at it as a way of like 
facilitating a conversation with your child about like really like important concepts that can impact their understanding of the world. There's always going to be just like, let's just put cocoa melon on and go and have a glass of wine, of course. (laughs) Yeah. But I think there's a the the the, re, the opportunity is there to mm. use these forms of media as a way of like helping kids have a much better understanding of the kind of like the beauty of like how multicultural and cosmopolitan mm. and celebrating the differences of everyone rather than than just, than the opposite and just humanity yeah oh my goodness and we would have just had none of that as kids growing up no no it's way just totally invisible yeah. spoken about no language for it there's an amazing podcast called brown baby i don't know if you listen okay, to this and it's it's a he's That's a fine. i'm blanking on the name i'm so i'm so terrible with names it's fine. I'll but link he it. is a second generation indian author who wrote a book called the good immigrant and now he's oh, written a I book about like it. raising uh non-white children okay. and like he kind of you know he's he's explored a lot of this stuff on his podcast we talked about how when he grew up it was very very rare to see anyone who wasn't white on tv mm. you know and when they and i think he said something like oh when there was a you know when an indian person came on the tv we all just said come 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 quick quick someone's on the you know so <laughs> yeah so that there's movement that and there is yeah there's change um kevin i'm mindful of our time um, that yeah, we probably should wrap up. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. It's just yeah, been so wonderful to hear your story and your journey into this. And yeah, I really appreciate your vulnerability and being so open about it. Thank you. So it's been really nice to talk about this. Yeah, it's really nice to to connect and yeah, go for really it. Nice. If people want to sign up to the newsletter, they can go to thenewfatherhood.org mm-hmm. or newfatherhood.email. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you so much, Julia. hope you enjoyed our conversation if you'd like to get in touch with kevin you can find him on instagram at the new fatherhood and you'll also find a link for his wonderful newsletter there i really do recommend that have a good week and i'll see you next week bye thank you so much for being here today if you'd like to get in touch i'm on instagram at grounded underscore families you can send me a DM or a voice note to my DMs or an email. I'd so love to hear from you. Please do like, share and subscribe this podcast. It really, really helps to get the podcast out in front of more listeners. And I'll see you again next week. Take care. Bye. Bye.